Welcome back, you hooligans, to Season 2, Episode 8 of the Brews and Belters Podcast. We're back with some Premier League and international news as well. I'm Keegan Gowitz. Tonight, I am sipping on a Milwaukee-style lager from Company Brewing here in Milwaukee. It is their uh, the beer that they brewed to celebrate 414 Day, which is Milwaukee's area code, uh, April 14th. Pretty tasty for uh, it is a four point one four percent, which is great. Um, Baby, yeah, pretty pretty tasty little lager. So, with me as always is Toby Hinefeld. Toby, how you doing? And what are you sipping on? Higgs, I am good. What brewery was your uh, beer from? Company Brewing here in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, okay. Are they pretty popular? Uh, I think this is the first beer of theirs that I've had on the pod, so uh, I don't know. I don't know if they are or not, to be honest with you. Alright, well, they're canning. Uh, I have a Pipeworks Brewing Company out of Chicago, and it is called uh, Glacious, Belgian-style IPA. Um, of course, I love my uh, Belgian IPAs, and it's 6.2%. Ooh, doggy. Um, Pretty badass, uh, Jason Momoa, I think is his name, uh, the dude who's on uh, like Aquaman and stuff. Kind of looks like him, but a little bit more uh, hipstery, smoking a pipe, and uh, yeah, he has like dragons. It's pretty cool, pretty cool artwork. I like Pipeworks because of that. They have pretty cool artwork. Uh, like They have like ninjas and unicorns and stuff on their art, so it's kind of cool. I love both ninjas and unicorns, so and Jason Momoa, to be fair. So yeah, I was gonna say it's good stuff. That's a definitely a popular topic. So <laughs> so let's get into it. Um, we'll start with the match of the week by far. Uh, on paper, the match of the week lived up to the hype. City versus Liverpool, two-two. Uh, let me just start by saying Liverpool completely outclassed City for the whole ninety minutes. So. <laughs> Uh, Tobes told me, warned me not to say that. Um, no, I mean, in all seriousness, I thought Liverpool looked pretty lively the first 10 or so, which isn't super surprising just with the style of play with both of these teams. Uh, you know, Liverpool plays the heavy metal football, whereas City play that pep style ease into the match, very calm, very composed. Um, but then pretty early in City start dominating once they eased into everything. You got James Milner playing right back. He's older. He doesn't like playing the right back position, he said, but you know he will because he's James Milner and he'll play wherever he's needed. But Foden, just too quick, too crafty, too creative. Uh, fortunately, in the first half, no game-changing mistakes from Milner. Um, second half, thought he did pretty well, really, besides the second goal. Um but we'll we'll get into the goal scoring chances. What are your first thoughts, Toby? You know, just on the match overall. Sacrificial lamb, James Milner. Yeah, uh, that dude has done so much for Liverpool and for the country of England and for just bodybuilding as a whole with his <laughs> bicep. Like that dude has done a ton, and for him to be ragdolled at that right back position because. It what is Trent Alexander Arnold just injured or yeah, what's going on there? He's got a little knock, yeah. And they they can't have anyone else in there. Like what's what's going on? Why do they have to put him in there? Because Phil Foden 
looked like the Phil Foden of last year. Like yeah. that dude, he's been playing well this year, but sticking Milner on him, that was just not fair. Like it, it really wasn't. And Phil Foden made him pay and they literally, it would be like City had that red upgrade button and they continually banged the shit out of it the entire first half. And the only upgrade that was happening is, is they were just working it down that left side on Milner. And I felt so bad for him. And to him, man, he didn't give up a goal that first half. Like yeah. it, it was legit. It was a, it was the best game of the season thus far. And it probably will be the best game played this season, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So that's about all I got on that. Uh, <laughs> as for a few other small tidbits, uh, I thought most Salah look dangerous again um he is on a tear right now in the premier league this season uh i also think that this is a better rivalry than any derby has to offer over the last three to four years um i would rather bend my dollars on man city and liverpool than i would on tottenham arsenal than i would on city united than i would on liverpool everton uh yeah, pretty much any of those competitions, they're cool, but this is the Super Bowl of the Premier League during the season, during the regular season. Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree. I mean it was just like we said, first half, uh, you know, they kinda exposed Milner, you know, fortunately for him and for me as a Liverpool supporter. Didn't give up any costly mistakes, but I mean it was it was obvious that they were picking on him. Um, but second half was just so back and forth. Uh, like you, you, you couldn't look away for a second, which isn't something you can always say about, you know, the sport in general. Um, and it, it was just, it was a perfect match to watch. Um, second half, so scoring chances. Um, Salah rips down the right line, plays Mane through really good, really good run, really well timed ball. Good finish from Mane. Um, and then, you know, City respond, of course. They play Foden down the left side. So Gabriel Jesus really does the only positive thing that, that Jesus did the entire match. He cuts into the middle from the right side, sucks in three defenders to meet him right there in the middle on top of the penalty box. One being Milner, who should have stayed home on the back post because he had Van Dyke and Matt Tip there in the middle that could step up and stop Jesus. Jesus plays a simple ball through. Foden takes one touch, slots it in with his left foot. Really good finish. Really good piece of play. But that's really the, the biggest mistake that, in my opinion, that Milner made the whole match. That was a mental error that he you typically don't see him make. Whereas everything else was just Foden physically being quicker than him, being craftier than him. Um, I mean, that was just a back post run that he kind of fell asleep on. Um, after that, Salah comes back. Like you mentioned, has been an unbelievable form. People are saying right now, with the form he's in, he's the best player on the planet. Those are their words, Toby, not mine. But I will agree with them. Uh, and, I mean, this goal was unbelievable. As of right now, goal of the season, I think. You know, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Just the stakes to put them up 2-1. Um, sat Bernardo down with a little rollover with his left foot to his right. Keeps going, sits down. Um, Laporte, I think it was, with a fake shot left to his right. Has a crazy angle with his weak foot. 
slides it in with his right, hits the post, dinks it in. Like, just an unbelievable goal. Unbelievable. So, he got a shout-out from LeBron James for that goal. Like, he's, I mean, it was just great goal. Like unbelievable, great. LeBron so, is biased. He he has some stake in uh, Liverpool, actually. Well, I'm not, and I shouted it out <laughs> even. Fair. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, I mean, just unbelievable. As of right now, I mean, do you agree that right now in the form he's in, who who on the planet is better than him? I mean, honestly. I'm not going Premier League at this point. Like he is the yeah. best player in the Premier League, uh, in offensive form at least. Yeah. Like there may be a few other defensive guys, one that plays on his team that I would rather have, you know, than him at say center back with like a Virgil Van Dyke or someone. But besides that, like, yeah, there's there's not too many other guys that are as hot as he is right now. Uh I mean, he's just burning. Uh I'm thinking maybe outside there I would maybe go the I don't know, Neymar, maybe Messi. Uh, I don't really want Mbappe right now because I feel like his parents are going to call you out for something if there's a mistake. So, <laughs> so no one. In short, nobody. Yeah, exactly. um, maybe yeah, I, w- I would throw. Probably. I would throw maybe Kareem Benzema in there, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anybody playing as well as Salah is. Um, I mean, he's he's just been unbelievable. So. Uh, moving on from there, after the goal, Milner gets away with what probably should have been a red card, to be fair. Um, ends up getting subbed off. Joe Gomez comes in. Um, and then Kevin DeBrowna puts on a really good left-footed shot on goal. Uh, it does deflect off Matt's hit. Maybe Allison gets it. If it doesn't, maybe he, maybe he doesn't get to it. But, you know, City deserved at least a draw there at minimum. Uh, you know, maybe even a win, but regardless, it felt like a match, uh, even from an unbiased perspective, it felt like a match that deserved a draw. Both teams were amazing. Both teams were attacking. They were fighting for the draw at the end, fighting for the win, really, at the end, um, and just super back and forth. So if it comes down to it at the end of the season, who would you rather not play as Liverpool fans, City or Chelsea? <sighs> I feel like those are the top three teams right now. Yeah, and it's just so hard. It's just so hard to say because two weeks ago, I would have rather played City than Chelsea, and now, I don't know, maybe I would rather play Chelsea than City. It's just such a hard... I mean, it's so up and down um, with the amount of games these guys play and everything else. It's, it's just so hard to, to know what they're going to look like in, what, six months, seven months from now? It's almost impossible to know. So, um, and you factor in Champions League, you factor in World Cup qualifiers, everything else. So, my gut says, my gut says, my gut says Chelsea. Really, I think they just have the depth. I think they have the quality right now. I feel like Liverpool and City. Part of why this game is so special, this matchup is so special, is because the last three, four years. They've kind of been the two top dogs in the Premier League. And even in, you know, Champions League with City being in the final last year. Uh, obviously, Chelsea won it. But, you know, City being in the final last year, trying to make those runs while still achieving Premier League success. 
Liverpool win a Champions League, win a Premier League. I feel like they've been so neck and neck that like Chelsea maybe are a little bit fresher. They've got that mojo. They've got that drive to get there um, within the Premier League to go out and win another Premier League title. So I don't know. I, I think Chelsea down the stretch will be – I still see them as favorites, even despite the fact that they've they've kind of dipped in form a little bit recently. Do you agree? I agree. Yeah, I do. United and Everton draw 1-1. Uh, no Pogba or Ronaldo in the starting lineup. They, they, they set up in a 4-2-3-1 with Cavani up top, Marcial Fernandez and Greenwood in the middle, which I didn't mind that. I didn't mind giving Ronaldo a rest, bringing him off the bench. Uh, Marcial hasn't really got to play a ton. He's come off the bench here and there. But, I mean, obviously it paid off. He went on to score a belter. But what... I didn't understand is both Fred and McTominay in the deep lying midfield. Um, I just really don't get that. I I'm not high on Fred. I don't think he's that good. Um, I think McTominay is pretty solid, but I think you gotta have Pogba in there for Fred or at least for one of the two. And I I just didn't really understand the setup there. Personally, maybe they took Everton a little bit too lightly, but Everton have been playing really well. I just don't get that from Ali. Um, I don't know. What do you think about the way that they set up? Um, well, for one, I was hungover. That was a 6.30 a.m. game on Saturday morning. Uh, but I I don't think it had anything to do with Everton not having Richarlison or DCL playing in this game from injury. Um, I think he just... I think Oli just thought that uh, he could just play some of his reserves and get by, and he realized he couldn't. Granted, he's been playing Fred more like he's a starter than a reserve, and yeah. McTominay more like he's a reserve than a starter. I think those should be flip-flop. Yep. And I think both those guys, in essence, play the same position, and they should have had one or the other in, and then they should have put another attack-minded person and had him, had whoever stayed in there, whether it be Fred or McTominay, who I prefer McTominay, um, play a little more of a defensive holding midfield position. That's what I would have done. Um, and that and that's where if if Donny Van de Beek isn't already fed up, that I think would have been the straw that broke the back. Well, that's for, that's for me. the biggest rumor right now in the Premier League is that is is he gone or is he not? Like right. he needs to leave. Like. They're not playing him, and he was one of the up-and-coming talents of the world. Yeah. Coming out of, what, Ajax, right? Yeah. If I, I remember right. They're ruining and, him, and they've got him. I get it if you want to rest Pogba, but to play, like you said, two guys that virtually virtually play the same role, um, Fred has not been good. At McTominay is, is at least decent, and you've got Lingard and Van de Beek who are underplayed. And you, you go out with those. I just, I didn't understand that at all. I saw the starting lineup. I just didn't really get it. Oh, you're, you're never going to understand it because fucking their coach, their manager is, yeah. he's, he's tough to understand. He's tough to get. Uh, is Anthony Martial, is he back? Getting the goal? <sighs> he's back and he's bald, baby. His first <laughs> bald is. goal. Um, and it was a great goal, too. It took a little deflection, but he struck it really well. Um, and then he almost had another chance later on. Really similar shot curling in from the right, from the left side. 
uh, with his right foot. And I mean, he looked good. I thought I thought he looked really good. He missed an, uh, a header early on um, that he maybe should have scored, mistimed his jump a little bit. But I thought he looked solid. Like I said, I really didn't mind that. Give Ronaldo a rest. Martial's, you know, a, a solid player. He provides pace on the left side. You still got Bruno in there to create chances. You got Greenwood on the other side, and you got Cavani up top, who's a proven bona fide goal scorer. So I didn't mind that at all. I just really didn't understand the midfield. Um, especially when you yeah. got options on the bench who are underused. And I I hate to say this, but I think we're shitting on Ole more than we are giving credit to Everton. Yeah. Number five yeah. in the Premier League right now. Yeah. Um, they're playing really good football without arguably their best player, DCL. He's been injured for quite a bit of this. Yeah. Uh has been playing a lot of football and took some knocks and yeah, it's finally catching up to him. Yep. And for them to play the way, the style they do compared to what they were playing, mm-hmm. um, I think they just have a lot going for them. Uh, Rafa, I was talking with Jack, uh, who's our third person that comes on here every six to 12 weeks. <laughs> um, he loves the style that they're playing right now. Like Rafa's getting it done for them. He's wearing the three-piece suit. He's playing outside in. And Everton, like, that's what they're built on. They play with the wingbacks strong on the sides, bang it on the inside, and then just play. I don't want to call it sloppy, but they're playing more farmer than finesse (laughs) when it comes to the ball inside the 18. And that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, Sneaky good signings by them. Uh, Damari Gray has been amazing. But with that being said, I honestly think that Townsend is probably their signing of the year thus far. Like his return on investment, granted, it's a lot more than Damari Gray. I think they signed Damari Gray for under three million, which that's that's you know bees and honey for money. Uh, but for Townsend to come in here for Everton and put up goals like he's doing, I don't think anyone saw this coming. Yeah, he's kind of on a heater. Like he's he's gonna get a heat check eventually, but right now, dude, I would just stick him in there every time and just let him eat and go to town. Yeah, yeah, and I like I like um, that lineup with him in there. He was on the right side. Damari was up. They played like a four four one one, um, and Townsend was on the right side. You've got you've got Damari in in an attacking mid, and then you had Rondon up top. Which you know, once DCL or Richarlison get back, they slide in for him. But thought they looked good. Um, Ducore has been phenomenal. Uh, you know, Allen is Allen. He's going to come in and do a good job. He's a steady head. But we'll uh, continually have his shirt tucked in. Of course, don't know how that happens. Classy. He's a classy man. Uh, but Decore's look phenomenal for me. That's that's one of the biggest things as they, as they've kind of changed up the style, um, super like tenacious style. Very, you know, they can counter now. They didn't really counter a ton last year, um, but they they've just switched up the style and it seems to be clicking, especially with the pickups that they got. You saw, I mean, on the goal, ball played out to as they're attacking the left side of the pitch. Damari Gray, who weighs ninety eight pounds, sopping wet. Bodies Fred off the ball, plays it to Decore, who's got acres of space. He takes a couple touches, draws in two or three United defenders from his right, 
which just leaves Townsend wide open. Bad defending from them. One one of them has to pull off and go back to Townsend, but he's just left wide open. Has time to take it with his left. Uh, one touch. Second touch with his right. He just great finish, buries it in the bottom left corner. And it, it, it's just Decore, like that box-to-box, that energy that he brings, that mix of like power and class on the ball is so huge for them because, you know, Allen's kind of going to lay back a little bit. He's going to be that deep line, go in, make a tackle, kind of coordinate things, whereas Decore, they can just unleash him and let him go box-to-box, and he's been phenomenal. He's been huge for him. And then you got guys like Townsend and Gray who are hot on the outsides who can beat people with pace. It's just a really good combo going inside out, outside in. What I mean, it doesn't matter how they how they set it up. They can they can score goals, I think is the big thing this year. You know, whereas last year it was like if Richarlison's not finishing or if DCL's not finishing or Richarlison's not providing service or Dinier's out, you know, they didn't have that depth which they still don't have a ton of depth, but they just didn't have multiple options. You know, almost every Everton goal last year was just kind of the same thing. And yeah. now I feel like they're pretty scoring much, in multiple different ways, which is It huge. was pretty much DCL almost breaking a bone or a ligament, throwing himself in front of a person to get in front of a ball yeah. and have it hit off his face or body <laughs> the goal. And that's kind of how he was. Like, he was, like, handicapping himself. Yeah. But, I mean, this time, like, I mean, they got a second goal. It was called offsides. Yeah. But they got a second goal from Yeri Mina, the Colombian defender. He came up, got a second goal, came up with a salsa dance. Like, dude, they got some flair right now they to got him. Some, and, like, I love to see it. Love to see it. Like, yeah. that's what that's what Keegan and I are all about. We're all about, like, very sexy kits, very sexy dances. Exactly. Very sexy cleats. Like, those three things, if you bring those three things to the table, we're guaranteed to give you at least a pass on our show. At least. Yeah, we'll have your Amina on, sure. We can let that slide. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, um, that in the 84th minute, um, good pass from Tom Davies. Really close on or off, um, but he was, he was pretty clearly off when he went back and looked at the, the replay, but... Davis had a ton of space and quite a bit of time. He really probably, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but he really pr- probably could have had a shot himself, and uh, they might have won it. But, you know, it is what it is. Andros Townsend tied it up for him, um, hit the C after right in front of the Everton fans. Fucking awesome. Love those levels of shithousery, so... Um, <laughs> And then the other match we want to highlight, Palace and Leicester draw 2-2. I've been really high on Palace this season. They've made a couple nice signings that I really liked. Um, had Edward in one of the new signings from Celtic. He was playing at the 9 with Ayu and Zaha be- beside him up top. Gallagher in the midfield, also a new signing from Chelsea. Leicester set up in a 4-4-2. Chowdhury started and James Madison came off the bench. Um, and Madison, phenomenal player, we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast, hasn't had a ton of playing time for, for Leicester this city, uh, this season, which is pretty interesting. Um, I'm not sure what the deal is, just slow getting back after the Euros. Uh, I know that he had a, a child earlier this year, earlier in the season, so maybe he took some time and is just looking to get back in form, but, um, I mean, we know that Leicester have some options in midfield, and Didi is a staple. 
Telemans is now a staple. He's phenomenal. Uh, Harvey Barnes on the left side. So they do have some options, but you expect to see Madison in the in the starting lineup, and he just really hasn't been playing as much as, as he normally does. So um, I thought Palace dominated most of this match, even at the beginning and, and throughout the first half, really truly throughout the entire match. I thought they were dominant. Um, Lester grabbed a couple goals, one from Ianacho and one from Vardy in the first half. Uh, it was interesting to see those two start up top together. Typically, Ianacho will come in as a substitute for Vardy, um, and they'll just play one striker at the top. Even with that, Ianacho had, like, I think 12 or 13 goals last season for them without really starting a ton of matches. Um, and, and both of them bagged in this match in the first half, and then... Second half, Palace continued to do most of the attacking. New signing Michael Olise came on. He is a player to watch. Uh, we discussed him in our first uh, pod of the season, kind of highlighting like an intro pod, kind of highlighting some new transfers, what to expect. It's phenomenal. Tore it up in the championship. Um, he put a shot on after a cross into the box. It got deflected. Comes right back to him. He hits it with his left foot off the volley and scores, and then um, Schlupp scores the second one after a bunch of chances in the box for Palace were denied. Ball just pops out to him, and he heads one in. Former Leicester player sticking the dagger in, um, and it ends up 2-2. Uh, Olise reminds me of like a Ted Lasso character where, like, Everyone loves him, but he kind of comes out of nowhere, and then everyone really loves him. Because <laughs> I kind of feel like that's how it's going to be with Crystal Palace. Like, this kid, I think he's going to be a lot better than he's even shown thus far, um, especially given the chance. And the only thing I'll really say is, with Leicester City, Jamie Vardy, without him, where are they as a team, honestly? Yeah. Like... Like, you look at their, just, you don't even need to watch them. Just look at their, I mean, this is, this isn't always a telltale sign, but just look at their, like, newspaper clippings, and he's literally, and this, he's literally on the sheet every time as a goal scorer. Like, without him giving that, giving them goals, like, I don't know, can you stick someone else there in there and get the same goals that he gives? Because, I mean, he's eating right now. Like, he had a goal this game. He had two last game. I think he had a goal the game before. Like, yeah. he is up there. Not most a lot good right now, but he is up there for, like, five straight years. Yeah. Like, where is Lester without Jamie Vardy, honestly? Yeah, it's, I don't know. That's interesting because he and Nacho, we, you know, as I just said, is a, a goal scorer. But I think Vardy just brings so much energy and identity to Lester. They can score at any moment because of him. And that's a, a thing, you know, we were going to discuss our biggest surprises, um, both positive and negative for this season. And I'm kind of jumping ahead, but for me, they've been one of the biggest letdowns for me. They're at eight points right now. Um, I forget where they're at in the table, but they've got to be in the bottom half um, if they've only got eight points. And Well, screw it. Let's just get into it. The eight, so our biggest upsets of the Premier League, yours is Leicester. Yeah, for me right now it is just that they've been kind of flirting with top four for the last couple seasons, if not in the top four at all times. They spent a ton of last season in second. 
Um, even without the depth of some of the bigger clubs and the higher spending clubs, they've managed to stay up there. They're always reliable. They, you know, you always know what you're going to get from Leicester in this season. It hasn't seemed like that. Yeah. So I completely agree with that. Um, I had Leeds. Yeah. They're number 16 of yeah. 20 right now. And I want to say they are only two below Leicester. I want to say Leicester's like 14. Maybe like they're on the list. Like if you're, you can only see the top of the list or the bottom of the list. And Leicester's kind of blurring at the bottom of the top of the list, and they're prevalent at the at the at the top of the bottom of the list. So, like, if you have two little screenshots, they're the top of the bottom. So that's where Leicester's at, and Leeds B is below them, and it's just upsetting because I did not expect them to be as good as they were last year, but I did not expect them to be as bad as they are this year thus far. Um, and by Far, my highest expectations that were let down is the number 20, the worst team in the Premier League right now, Norwich City. Uh, They are right now a negative 14. Like, that pretty much means they're losing every game. There's only been seven games in the Premier League. They're losing every game by at least two goals. Like, that's on average. Like, it's so upsetting after watching them be studs last year. They had such good players. Like, yeah, some of them were on on loan. Some of them, they traded away for money. Like, yes, they did that. They restocked. They still have their core players from the midfield and then Timu Puki, God bless him, at the front. And I don't know. Like, he doesn't have any goals, so maybe that's it. Like, yeah. they're not feeding him enough? I don't know. Like, if Timu Puki has goals, I'm sure they're going to be good. Right. And, I mean, that's that's where their struggle has been is scoring. And, obviously, I mean, Really, it's been everything. They've given up goals well, as well. But I mean, their first three or four games were against like top five talent. Right, like. right, and I think that plays into it as well. They've had a tough schedule to start out. Um, so I mean, I think that plays into it. But yeah, I mean, it it just shows but, the the gap and the difference and, in, in pace and, yeah. and speed of play between the Championship and Premier League. But then we're talking about a uh, they've been playing top four talent, but then they also are playing Leicester who's numbers like 17, 16. And so that doesn't really matter at that point. It's yeah. you got to you got to win every game. So yeah. those are my biggest upsets uh before Keegan runs through the Premier League uh table and whatnot. My biggest surprise is who we've already talked about, uh Everton. Like I cannot I cannot stress just how amazing Rafa's doing at that place. I did not expect that. I expect them to take two steps back after losing uh, the previous gaffer to the uh, La Liga. Like, I expected after he left and went over to Spain, I expected them to just crumble and quiver, and they have not done either. Yeah. Yeah, they've been great under Rafa. There's a ton of skepticism with him winning a Champions League with Liverpool, being a little bit of a legend there. Um, I know there was a lot of doubt with Everton fans, but uh, he's he's been a phenomenal. They've been phenomenal. I think the players have risen to the occasion as well. Um, for me, the biggest surprise is Brentford. Um, they're t- they're at seventh right now with twelve points, just behind the likes of City, United, Everton, and Brighton, who make who who are kind of tied for that third, fourth, fifth, sixth place at 14 points. So they're just a game off from all of those giants there. Um, well, Everton and Brighton, I guess, aren't giants. But, you know, City and United, they're three points off, two points off of 
Um, so they've been a big surprise for me. They're really attacking. They score goals in every match. Uh, Ivan Tony is really the only player I was super aware of going into this season. He tore it up in championship, was a, a, a proven goal scorer there. And they've just, I mean, they've just got fight, man. Uh, they came back and beat West Ham this week 2-1 in the dying minutes. Like, they just find a way to get it done. They're scrappy, but they've got, you know, skill as well. They can break teams down, and uh, I've been super, super impressed with them from the beginning. I mean, it, it's been consistent. It's not like they got a couple of strong one or two wins together here in the last couple of weeks. I mean, they've been consistent seven weeks in, so... Obviously, still early, but uh, they've been very impressive. Yeah, I don't expect that to change, honestly. I, based on seeing them play, not only their uh, fast style, but they're pretty defensively sound, um, which you have to have that in the Premier League. Like, you get all these guys, like, for instance, like Emerson Royale, who was a, a Barcelona guy, played right back for Barcelona. And he comes over to Tottenham and plays. And the main things he talks about is the Premier League, whether you think you are or you're not, you're box to box. And you're you're consistently taking knocks and getting tackled. And you don't get calls for that. Like, you just have to get up and run. So then at that point, it's like a war of attrition. And how long can you last? And what's your cardio like? And that's... That's how guys are like coming into the Premier League. And so imagine a whole team coming to the Premier League from that. Like, yeah. That, I mean, eventually, usually what happens is when you first come up in the Premier League, you're hot right off the bat because you have the whole team involved and you're able to just go. But then eventually it starts to wear on you and mm-hmm. it's like a weight just being added to your shoulders and you just slowly start to digress. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they end up. But as of right now, yeah, they're a, they have a really good team. Um, I love their stadium and their fans and then the stands as well. Like the, yeah. I cannot get it through my head. Like the maroon to the different colors uh, seats, like it reminds me of like watching in Spain. Like in England, you don't usually get that. It's all mm-hmm. like one color with like a word or something. Yeah. But to just, I don't know, it's, it's a cool stadium. Like it's just really aesthetically pleasing yes yeah it's a good environment uh quick rundown of the weekend chelsea won 3-1 over southampton uh they scored first southampton got a penalty james ward prowse buried it and then um chelsea come back ross barkley with a great ball to aspilicueta played at first touch phenomenal to Werner for a tap in um and then chilwell with a really great goal uh taking Christian Pulisic's spot right now. I feel like he's getting some... He just might. He just might, man. He's been looking good, too. I mean, it's well-deserved playing time. He's looked good. Uh, Really good ball across the pitch. Azpilicueta did really well with it, too. I mean, he put it on a platter for Werner. Out of the air, first touch, just straight across the ground. I could have finished it, Toby. I mean, it was, which if Werner's finishing it, yeah, you would hope I could finish it as well, right? <laughs> Did Timo just take a stray right now on the podcast? <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, Wolves beat Newcastle 2-1. Burnley and Norwich drew 0-0. Brighton and Arsenal drew 0-0. Uh, missed opportunity, in my opinion, for Brighton where they stand right now. 
But, you know, Arsenal's picked it up a little bit the last couple matches. Um, Tottenham won 2-1 over Aston Villa. Uh, and then, as we mentioned, Brentford beat West Ham 2-1. So the table right now sits with Chelsea in first place, 16 points. Liverpool in second place with 15. And then, as we mentioned earlier, City, United, Everton, and Brighton make up 3-6, through six, tied at 14. Um, it's your kids, Chelsea. I think Liverpool's coming for you. Come next Sunday when we actually have games. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just really quickly, Serie A over the weekend. We've we've started to abandon Serie A a little bit. We're trying to keep them in the loop. Uh, Juve and Torino played in the Derby della Mole. Manuel Locatelli grabbed a goal for Juve. They won one nil. Um, Inter beat Sassuolo two one. Eden Dzeko and uh, Lataro Martinez scored for Inter. Uh, Berardi scored a penalty for Sassuolo. Napoli leads the Premier League right now. Big win over Fiorentina 2-1. Chucky Lozano with a goal for Napoli um, to keep them in first place. And then Roma beat Empoli 2-0. Pellegrini and Mkhitaryan scored for them. And then AC Milan and Atalanta was a big matchup. 3-2 AC Milan. Uh, Calabria scored in the first minute. My boy Sandro Tonali scored. He's been playing phenomenal for Milan after getting criticized a little bit in his first season last year with them. And then Rafael Loyal scored the third. Uh, in the 86th minute, Duvan Zapata scored a penalty for um, Atalanta. And then Mario Pasalic in the 94th scored basically a consolation goal uh, as they lost 3-2. So right now the table sits with Napoli at 21 points, AC Milan with 19, Inter with 17, Roma with 15. Uh, Juve currently sitting seventh with 11 points after a really slow start. Um, Napoli tends to do this. I've always liked Napoli, but they tend to kind of start out hot and they show signs that they could be the team. And then they just slowly fade off and they end up not even making the top four. Um, but right now they seem to be putting it together. Chucky Lozano has played well for them the last couple of years. Victor Osiman came in last year um, and played pretty well, but he, he's been on fire lately. He's uh, one of the top scorers in the league. He's got four goals in, in seven matches. Um, so I don't know. I mean, maybe they've got what it takes this year, but we'll, we'll see. They've got a couple of the best defenders in the league with Koulibaly and, and Manolas, solid midfield. Um, they've got some leadership with, with Insigne, um, and then the, the young strikers, Osiman and Lozano. So um, we'll see what happens there. AC Milan, Inter, obviously a threat. Roma, under the helm of Jose Marino, uh, have been playing pretty well. So we'll see what happens there. But um, moving on to some international matches, as it is international break. Italy and Spain played today 2-1. Toby, you want to you wanna take this one away? Yes, Please. Uh, Italy snapped a 30-game unbeaten streak, I want to say, to October of 2018. I don't know the exact date, but it was pretty much three years that they've gone without losing internationally. That's not saying they didn't tie, but they definitely had not lost till today. Um, <clears throat> pretty good game. Uh, Spain won 2-1. Uh, Benucci got sent off for his second yellow card. Um, first one was in the first like 15-20 minutes for arguing a, a call, and then he went up 
um, looked at, I want, I can't remember, I want to say it was Busquets he went up against, and looked at Busquets and then went into a header and elbowed Busquets in the neck. I'm not saying Spanish people flop more than others, but in my opinion, it looked like that elbow was more an elevation. This is very nitpicking, but it looked like it was more of an elevation elbow than a distinguished aggressive elbow, if that makes sense. Like, he was more or less throwing his elbows out to get up higher, because he was probably, I don't know, I didn't have my ruler out, but I would say 12 to 16 inches higher in the air than Busquets. So, of course, your elbows are going to extend out because you are plus 18 inches off the ground. Right. And, yeah, so that's where he was at. But, yeah, he uh, got hit with his second yellow. And because of that, uh, Italy went into defense mode at that point. Um, Spain, <laughs> uh, Spain, I was not too impressed at the Euros. And for them to come in and throw on a bunch of teams throughout the entire game, uh, they pretty much flexed their youth in this game, and it worked. Uh, their midfield, specifically, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but Pablo Martin. Paez, Javier, also known as Javi, uh, plays for Barcelona. 17-year-old, youngest Spanish international, or the youngest Spanish international. Um, where's the number nine? Of course, that has to be awesome, playing for Spain. Uh, that kid came out, and he dominated the entire game. Uh, the midfield, I'm not going to lie, I was I watched almost the whole game and Spain had the midfield over the likes of Jorginho and everyone else that plays in the Italian uh, midfield. Um, there was at one point I caught him. <laughs> he he was always yelling for the ball and like was calling for it, whether it be vocally or sticking his hand down by his knee, calling for it. He did that nonstop. Uh, there was one point he was looking at uh, Sergio Busquets which arguably is, like, I mean, he is the... Spanish royalty. Bar- the player coach of Barcelona. Yeah, yeah, he is He is the creme de creme of, Span- <laughs> of Spanish football. And for him to be yelling at this guy to give him the ball, like, <laughs> I don't know. I just loved it. The hype is real with this kid and yeah. with all the young talent. Uh, they brought on after that, I want to say, three other kids under the age... I'm saying kids under the age of 20. So three 18 to 20 year olds. So kids. Um, yeah. So they had a little bit of everything going on. Uh, Spain just looked really good. Italy tried to even shithouse them in the second half. And like, we're trying to get yellows into reds. And when there was a tackle with a guy who had a yellow card, they were trying to like make it more than what it was. Um, Italy's sake, they fought back, played really well. Moise Keen looked really good as a number 10 um, to the point where I think they maybe get rid of one of their false nines and stick him in there instead and let him float above whoever's the false nine. Because uh, there was a couple other guys besides Chiesa. And Chiesa, I, I'll never talk shit about Chiesa. Like, that is my dude. Like, I will ride and die with him. Um, but as a whole, Spain... After not looking that good during the Euros, they looked great today. I don't know I don't know what tactics necessarily they changed, 
but there's a few people that they had in there that those the younger guys looked awesome. Uh, and the only other thing is that Spain scored their two goals were both from uh, Fabian Torres from Man City, and it kind of makes you think like Pep, should you maybe start this guy? I don't know. So like, so that's probably my biggest talking point from this. There's two of them. Um, Ferran Torres was like aside from Pedri. Torres and, and Pedri and maybe Danny Olmo were like the three bright points for them in the Euros. Torres was getting goals. He was making things happen offensively. And he stayed hot here with two goals, two good goals too. And he just brings yeah, a ton of energy. Goals. That second goal was sexy. Like yeah. played across the entire forward scheme. And then he got that header on it. Like that was... That was a goal-scoring delight, and you could tell the coach loved it. Like he literally jumped into the hands of his assistant coaches. Like yeah. he was carried like a baby for that goal. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's a good point because Jesus. I'm just not impressed with Jesus, and maybe Pep's high on him, and Pep probably knows a little bit more about the game than I do. Um, so I'll give him that. But uh, <laughs> but I'm just not that high on Jesus, and Torres has been phenomenal, and so I. I don't know. I'm kind of curious what the thing is where he doesn't fit into City's lineup because they don't have a number nine. They stick Jesus in there. Starting out the season, Ferran Torres was playing that number nine. He grabbed a, a goal or two early on for him, and then he just kind of teetered out of the lineup again, and Jesus slid Against in. Against Tottenham. Yeah, yeah. And then Jesus, <laughs> Jesus slid in. Um so I'm really, really curious to know like what that dynamic's like, where he fits in in the locker room, where he obviously doesn't fit in in the lineup. Um, but along with that, you just mentioned the young guys and the energy that they had. That was the thing that stood out to me was Italy looked tired. They looked sloppy. They looked slow for a lot of the match, especially the first half. The second half, they picked it up a little bit, a man down. Maybe that woke them up a little. But Italy just looked slow and um, I'm curious how much playing time is affecting that because you look at somebody like a Ferran Torres who isn't getting to play a ton at City and then he's coming to Spain and he knows he's going to be one of the guys he knows he's going to be one of the chance creators for them their goal scorer you know their number one goal scorer and there are a few other guys in that in that lineup as well um, that play a lot of minutes. I mean, Alonso and Aspilicueta are playing a ton of minutes for Chelsea, but there are other options as well that give them rest for Chelsea, as well as Laporte for City. So it makes me wonder. You look at Italy's starting lineup. Varela's playing almost every minute for Inter. Chiesa's playing con day in and day out for Juve. Um, Chiellini and Bonucci in the back are playing constantly for for Juve. I mean, all of those guys in that starting lineup are playing most of the minutes that their club is playing. So it, it makes me wonder how much of that is, is, you know, burnout and tired legs compared to this fresher Spain side, uh, younger Spain side as well. So that kind of plays into it as well. But yeah, Ferran Torres was definitely something that, that jumped off the screen to me. One, because he played really well. But two, just, I don't know, I'm really curious about that dynamic at City. Uh, where Jesus is regularly picked over him because he's looked phenomenal for Spain. He did all summer. He did again today. So I'll be interested to see coming back uh, if maybe he subs in for Jesus or or 
if he well, just then, goes back uh, to the bench. With Pep, he doesn't even just play Jesus. He benches both of them and plays like false nines. You know, doesn't have an actual striker up front or right. a guy who can play striker playing a, a holding forward position, whatever you want to call it. Right, but, and that's yeah, that's yeah. just part of his tactic in general. I mean, you saw that at Barcelona where Messi would play that false nine too, um, and Foden will play that, or or whoever else will play that. But they still line up with like Jesus isn't going to be that guy who plays the false nine typically, and so if you want to stick a number nine in there and then just have somebody else drop back and receive the ball in space there, I would still rather have Ferran Torres making the runs after that that false nine receives the ball. I would also yeah. rather have Ferran Torres be that false nine and come back and receive the ball, I think, than Jesus. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just a hater. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure, but so, I don't know. So, it's so kind of surprising. Said, you said Italy looked slow and tired, but... So they were playing in Milan this game against against Spain. So Spain was on the road, and Gianluigi Donnarumma, their goalie, who is by far, in my opinion, the top two or three best goalie in the world, plays for Italy, plays at PSG, just left Milan or PSG. They were playing in Milan. They were booing him almost the entire game. couple things first is Mancini after the game said it is Italy above all else he said that but they booed him the entire game and you could tell it got into his head he even fumbled the ball and almost had yeah. an own goal yeah Chiellini but, saved him so I don't know Keegs is that just like Italy or, I, I would say England probably first but is Italy that ruthless of a fan base and does is it deserving after he PK saved them multiple times? Definitely the, the not deserving. Um, there are a lot of ignorant Italy fans, as there are a lot of ignorant football fans in general across the globe. Um, but yeah, I mean that was something like I woke up and was looking at Twitter today uh, before work. And there's a dude who does illustrations. He did illustrations for four through three. Now he works for. Uh, uh, La Gazzetta, which is like a big uh, Italian newspaper. And he tweeted something out like, if you're going to boo Donnarumma, that's ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. But I think it was the manner in which he left AC Milan, which had a lot of people upset. Like he kind of knew that he was going to go for a while. Uh, it sounded like like he had made up his mind and he just wouldn't go through the negotiation process for contracts, so they couldn't sell him for his worth, which is astronomical right now. And so he ended up being a free transfer to one of PSG's many free transfers, which is just, you know, the rich get richer, and you leave your club behind and your home behind. And so, like, I get being frustrated, but again, like, Mancini's comments, at first, when I heard that, I'm thinking, like, he doesn't have his players back. And then it it kind of sat with me and I'm like, no, maybe he means that as like, forget about his decision as a fucking 21 year old, mind you, his decision to go and play for another club, forget about that and support him as an Italy player. Like that's the biggest thing for me. Um, but that's, that's what I thought Mancini was saying is right. Right. And I think, I think that's how Italian over the Italian playing overseas. Exactly. You know, that he's Italian. 
And I, I think that is probably what he meant from that. Originally, when I read the comments, I was like, wait, is, she, is he shitting on him too? Um, but, but no. God, I, I hope not. He's, <laughs> he's the fucking cream de creme. That's the second yeah. time I've said this word. I haven't said this word <laughs> in seven years. I've said it twice tonight. Like, he is the fucking best goaltender. Yeah. He's probably, I, I would put him ahead of, in my opinion, he is one or two. Him, like, old black, you can throw Neuer in there, yeah. Um, Allison, yeah, but yeah, he's, he's fine. Go ahead. He's yeah, he's he's phenomenal, and yeah, I mean, it was just disappointing to see that, and even like people knew that they were gonna do it before too, and it it was still frustrating when it happened. But um, one thing that I did enjoy uh, <laughs> following the speaking of him saving the the penalty against England. Um, Spain and Italy fans were seen booing English fans um, throughout the match because of the the backlash and the abuse that England fans gave to their own players after the match. So I thought that was fucking hilarious. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was just disappointing to <laughs> to see them treating Donnarumma that way when he's. I mean, he's a young Gave kid him. who went on to a new club. Like, get over it. He he didn't go out the right way. Maldini said that as well when he left. But still, I mean, like Mancini said. Yeah, it probably said, would have been better for him to not leave that way, but have them trade him to a club he didn't want to actually play at <laughs> and actually make money off of him. That, that would have been better, in my opinion. <laughs> anyway... Anyway, um, so the the other Nations League game starting tomorrow is Belgium France. Yeah, it's, who do you like in that game? I mean, it's whoever plays between Belgium and France, they're gonna play Spain in the championship on Sunday. Yeah, um, I think France, and I really only say that. I mean, I think it should be a great match, but I really only say that because. I've had really high hopes for Belgium for like eight years now, and they haven't lived up to them ever. Uh, and like we've talked about, their window's starting to close on this golden generation that has been talked about. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I hope that they step up and give France a really good match tomorrow, but they just haven't really risen to that occasion at any point. And uh, I don't know. I, do, I just don't really have that high of expectations for them anymore. And whereas France, I, mean, I always have high expectations for. So, Bel- Belgium's trophy window is definitely closing, and I don't see it getting any wider soon. Like I expect them to keep getting. I mean, they're one hazard injury away from like dropping, and for them, I think right now they are all healthy. They're all in their peak. Um, I expect them to play really well. Um, I don't know anything about France. Like France is, in in my opinion, France was the best team entering the Euros, and for them to continually not perform to their expectations, uh, they definitely need to get it on track tomorrow and then Sunday because um, they don't have any World Cup qualifiers this month. None of the teams in this tournament do. So uh, Belgium, France, and then Spain and Italy, they don't have any World Cup qualifiers. So I think it's especially important for France to get off on the right foot. Um, I just don't see that happening, and I expect Belgium to win tomorrow. Yeah. 
yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, like you said, I mean, they didn't really achieve what uh, maybe we thought they would in the Euros. So, um, you know, it'll, it, both both club both teams are kind of in that same boat right now, where it's a big match for them to you know come out and prove something. So, other than that, there aren't a ton of international matches that I'm really really looking forward to as far as World Cup qualifiers go. Uh, a couple decent South American matchups, um, Uruguay and uh, Colombia play each other, and then uh, one that I'm actually looking forward to, mostly just because of Holland, is um, Norway versus Turkey, but I think that these two countries are pretty evenly matched as far as skill goes. Obviously, Norway have Holland, who is a, a huge factor. Um as well as Odegaard, so I'm looking forward to watching those two together. Um, they've they've also got El Unasi, um, who's who's a solid player. So it'll be interesting to watch them versus Turkey. Who Turkey is typically just a middle of the road team. They're not bad, but they're not phenomenal. Um, they're just a good team. So it'll be interesting to watch those two. They've got Kalin Oyu of Inter Milan, previously of AC Milan. So. I think that'll be an interesting match to watch. Other than that, there aren't a ton that are like super seem that they'll they'll be super close matches. Anything you're looking forward to in particular as far as international matches go? Yeah, there's a few games. Uh, the main ones is gonna be uh, Thursday tomorrow. Uh, Jamaica USA. Um, McKenzie is starting. Greg Berhalter said that. <laughs> Ricardo Pepe, the USA Dallas-born player, um, is definitely in a roster spot. Uh, he's being looked at by Ajax and Bayern Munich and a few other teams as well. Um, so I expect a lot of things from him. Um, it's going to be at the new stadium in Austin, Texas. That's going to be pretty cool to have it there. And then... Uh, of course, Jamaica has a lot of good talent, but they do not have Leon Bailey or Mikel Antonio of West Ham United. Um, so they're lacking some talent up front. Uh, so I expect the USA to come out uh, attacking, and I expect them to put it towards Jamaica. Um, I've been saying this for weeks, months, and they have not done at all what I was talking about. But I expect them to uh, do that tomorrow and at least get a two-goal uh, two goal plus victory over Jamaica. Um, the other big game I'm really excited for is Sunday, and that would be uh, Brazil and Colombia. Um, mainly because I just love Colombia and uh, the 33-year-old Juve uh, player uh, Juan Quadrado. Uh, he is playing... For Colombia against Brazil, who has literally all the powerhouses of the world. Um, so I expect a lot from them. Uh, and I expect that, I, I don't know, I expect it to just be exciting um, to the point that a South American team can uh, deliver when it comes to that. Um, but that's about it when it comes to World Cup qualifying. Uh, I guess Keegan, with UA, USA Jamaica, is there anything that you were. I guess, expecting or hoping for? Like, we already know McKenney is starting. We don't know the exact starting. But do you want, like, a Pepe up front or a Josh Sargent? Like, there's no Christian Pulisic. 
Um, where do you expect uh, like a Adams to play in the midfield? Um, do you expect anything else against Jamaica? Adams, um, Timothy Weah, I, I think is healthy again. I think I saw that he was back um, playing in Ligoon, so... Hope to see yeah, him. Yeah, he's, uh, he's actually killing it right now yeah. in Lagoon. Like, he's to doing me, really well. To me, he he might be the most talented player on the USMNT roster and uh, as long as he's healthy. So I would like to see him back in the starting lineup. Um, and then on Jamaica's side, Mikael Antonio, baby. Um, him and Leon so Bailey. He's, he's ruled out with injury. Oh, shit. Him yeah. and Leon yeah, yeah, Bailey yeah, yeah. are both. Yeah. So, well then, yeah. There's there's really no reason to watch this match at all. Um, <laughs> I'm forgetting that. Now. But yeah, um, Timothy Weah to me is exciting. Uh, I would go Pepe over Josh Sargent just because Josh Sargent hasn't really. I've really really wanted him to perform well both for U.S. and Norwich, and he just hasn't really come on. So um, I think you give Pepe the chance and see what happens so i don't know i mean who knows i i can't figure that team out so oh i don't think anyone can that's why they're so fucking awful yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like they just don't have it going for them i think it's just so. a plot to keep us all watching really it's like what the <laughs> fuck's gonna happen tonight so i think that's kind of the idea there boost ratings <laughs> maybe build up the youth academy so that one day uh one day we're taken seriously i don't know do you have a uh, boost cheers and belter? Can I go first, please? You can go first, please. Okay, so I have no belter, um, which is unfortunate because this is a first first podcast. Uh, this is podcast thirty six for us. I've yet to have a not had a belter. So, um, as for booze, I'm gonna go real easy, just like that ugly ass smug shot bronze sculpture of Ronaldo. I'm going LA Galaxy doing the same fucking thing with Landon Donovan. This thing looks like a screaming hyena. Like, it looks awful. Keegan, have you seen the picture? I haven't. I have not. You haven't? Okay, I'm going to... I'll put it on the Twitter. Follow us, Bruise and Belters, on Twitter, Instagram, anything else, whatever you want to do, follow us. Uh, But yeah, I'll put that on there. It is... It's awful looking, Keegan. <laughs> I try to just ignore anything Landon Donovan, really. So um, yeah. I'll make sure to mute our Twitter page just so I don't see okay. anything. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that's upsetting. Uh, do you have a boo? I do have a boo. Um, and once again, for the second week in a row, it goes to shitty football fans. Um, Mbappe came out with, uh, there was a piece, like an interview that he did, and he discussed following... Euro 2020, uh, when he missed the penalty kick for France. Um, he mentioned that because of the backlash that he received from fans online and the racial abuse and so on, he actually considered quitting international football uh, at the age of 22 as one of the greatest young talents in the world, one of the best players in the game right now. Um, it was that bad that he almost considered quitting international football. So after he just lit up the World Cup uh, three years before. So um, that was pretty shocking to read about and uh, just goes to show how shitty your own supporters can be as a football player. And I mean, 
dude's 22 well, years old like you mentioned before with spain like you're like i keep saying kids but you know they're 18 to 20 like these are kids you know these are these are young young dudes who have the entire world breathing down their neck i mean it's nuts so you construct a roster for france like you how how do i construct a roster i put fucking killian mbappe right dead center and then i construct around it that's how you construct a roster like in my opinion if i'm a gm of france like that's the easiest smartest and best decision and for them to not do that <laughs> and for him to like feel like it's that upsetting that like he doesn't want to be a part of that like it's mind blowing yeah yeah shows shows how much of this weighs on professional athletes especially again just going back to the age 22 years old i mean at 22 years old if i had more than like five people breathing down my neck i'd be like yeah this is too much he's got an entire nation so um yeah boo to shitty football fans as usual uh i don't have any cheers do you have any cheers um i do have a cheers there we go it's kind of it's actually way more of a boo than a cheer uh but it's for the nwsl national women's soccer league uh for everyone who has come forth um and stepped in front when it's come to the uh, sexual allegations that's been happening um in the nwsl l um it's yeah it's super shitty that it's happening um uh, like you keegs and i will stand on our green stand we'll stand on the soapbox all day every day and talk about injustice and everything but at the end of the day like we're only a voice so there's a lot more to it um and so that's what was so cool tonight actually during the uh new york washington game uh they stopped after six minutes of play and uh kind of came together as two teams to kind of unite in front of this because uh, i mean it's the nwsll compared to the mls like they're both smaller leagues and for something like this to be happening is just it's shitty, it's awful, and like we need to get rid of everyone who is a part of it and uh, start from new. So I'm happy that a lot of the players are stepping forth, having the strength and courage to do that. And uh, yeah, I support as, support as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as, uh, for, and as seems... for Belter, I don't have any Belters because I didn't see any bangers this last week or I would have po posted them, so... Yeah, there weren't a ton. You got a, you got a banger? There you weren't a, a ton in the Premier League. Um, I I put down Anthony Martial's goal against Everton. Um, slight deflection, but he did take a good rip at it. Really struck it really, really clean. Um, the bald-headed bandit, man. Grabs his first bald goal. It's huge. So, Keeks, I'm not going to lie. On the left side of my page third of the way down i have a star and it says is anthony martial back question mark and i'm not gonna lie i'm kind of going john wick right now being tied up in a warehouse i'm like is anthony martial back i'm like now that keegan said it yeah he's back <laughs> like 
Like, I don't know. I was thinking he was just kind of 40 to 30% of the way, but he's 50 to 70 after you said that right now. He got a belter on our podcast. Are you kidding me? Bald-headed bandit, baby. He's rebranding. The haircut is a rebranding move. It's a new Martial. He saw Lingard do it last year. He's like, oh, West Ham? You're going to put on the claret? Ah, okay. I know what I got to do now. Say less. And he's just going to take over now. He's going to take Ronaldo's starting spot permanently. Ronaldo's a bench player now. Disregard everything we've said the last minute. Um, we're going to wrap things. <laughs> we're going to wrap disregard things. Disregard everything we've said the last 50 minutes. <laughs> Let's just go. All right, we'll wrap it up. Uh, cheers. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back next week. We are going to start recording on Thursdays because Toby and I are back out on the pitch. I'm playing indoor Tuesday nights. He's playing indoor Wednesday nights. So, uh, you know, we're back at it. Maybe we'll bring in some belters of our own. Maybe get some people out there filming, uh, you know, just in case we want to post anything to the Twitter page. So Mixtapes. <laughs> I don't even know what music I want over my mixtape of me being fat playing soccer. DMX. Indoor. I don't know. With the lighting being all awkward, I don't know what I want. Definitely DMX for you. DMX, you thinking? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll do DMX. That's fine. Yeah. And then it just cuts to like Beethoven, something classical. When you have a nice oh, little like yeah. step over or something, <laughs> and then it goes what, back what, to DMX. Right now, then it, it goes back to DMX for you just taking a rip at goal and just skying it like fifty <laughs> feet over the goal. I'm Let me do. edit it. I Let really me edit do, it. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> All right, peace, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>